Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain was our Woman in Supply Chain episode, and I got to get to know Susan Walsh, the classification guru, that much better. Her and I have known each other and gotten to know each other over the last few months, and it was nice to really get a glimpse into her journey and the advice that she has for others and how she failed and got back up and has really made her company successful in data and what she's doing in data and how she can encourage others to follow in her footsteps. So make sure to go and check that out wherever you subscribe to the Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast, or you can go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcasts for more. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. E2Open is an end-to-end supply chain software platform helping the largest companies in the world with the most complex supply chains in the world. They are partnering with their customers on collaboration, visibility, network connectivity, and handling disruptions. And they see that the ultimate value lies in people and meeting their needs. That's why they partner with their customers. If you are looking for an end-to-end supply chain solution, check out e2open.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This week is a busy one. I am talking about sustainable packaging with Sarah Scudder at the Canadian Health Food Association. Plus, I am moderating a fireside chat all about control towers with E2 Open. So hopefully, I will see you there. Today, I'm joined by a company who are changing the landscape of warehousing, fulfillment, and supply chain by connecting businesses of all sizes to enterprise-grade capabilities and assets that help them compete on previously impossible levels. Can you guess who it is? Well, I'm going to reveal them after the question of the week. So the question was actually submitted by Nathan Gabriel. Thank you so much, Nathan, for sending this in. And his question was, how do you determine what is the right business opportunity to focus on? And we had some great answers. Larry says, someone is willing to pay more than the cost of one's input as well as a reasonable profit margin. I don't think a business opportunity ever meets first contact with the customer without suffering some casualty. Nick Romer, a mix of gut instinct, market research, and knowledge. My gut never seems to be far off the right thing. I have heard that too. I am also a big component of or proponent of gut instincts, but also doing due diligence. Do your due diligence. Look into the person that you're looking to do business with. Um, Get to know who they are and make sure you really, really understand what that opportunity is. So thank you to everybody who answered our question of the week. If you'd like to be featured, make sure to go to any of our support our social media channels on a Wednesday morning. And that's when we do ask that question. So now back to today's podcast and which game changing company is joining me today. 
Well, it's where to go. Where to go offers a nationwide network of certified warehouses and technology to streamline fulfillment across sales channels for a fully scalable and on-demand solution, making one to two-day deliveries easy and affordable for everyone. Today, Steve Denton, CEO at where to go joins me to chat all about what they do, how customer buying habits are driving innovation in the industry, and the future of integrated, flexible, and data-driven supply chains. Let's get to know a little bit more about Steve before we dive into the company. Steve spent 20 years reimagining digital sales channels as a digital technology and AI executive. A serial entrepreneur specializing in e-commerce, Denton is now creating smarter fulfillment networks and democratizing one to two day delivery as CEO of where to go. Denton was previously president and CRO of Collective, which uses B2B data to make sales organizations more informed, efficient, and profitable. He served as CEO of GSI Media, which sold to eBay in 2011, then as GM and VP of eBay Enterprise Marketing Solutions, where he oversaw billions in e-commerce revenue and ran nine MarTech companies. After holding multiple executive roles at LinkShare, he served as president and CEO of Rakuten, LinkShare, after acquisition by Rakuten. Before his career in technology, Steve held leadership roles at Pepsi and FedEx. So welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, Sarah, it's great to be here and thanks for having me. I am so looking forward to our chat today. I mean, where to go is taking me back to my 3PL roots, but really switching it up, which is so, so exciting. And I'm also honored to have you here. I mean, your career has been amazing. And one show I don't think is going to be enough to cover it all. So let's just dive right in. So before we talk about where to go, I'd love to just get a feel for your journey because I was really intrigued when I was doing my research for the show. I mean, you have a degree in marketing. You were VP of marketing at eBay Enterprise, a huge position, but you're also really experienced in supply chain. You were managing director at FedEx for eight years, and you're now at where to go. So talk us through that journey and how marketing and supply chain weave together. Because I talk about this all the time, how the two really need to collaborate. Great question. And and you know, I'm, I'm older, so that, that story is long. So I'm going to try to... <laughs> I'm going to try to shorten that journey into the time we have. I think, look, I, I started my career, I got a degree in marketing and, and candidly back then you got a degree in marketing, you were either going into marketing or sales and many of us ended up in sales. And, um, and, and that's how I got my start. And, you know, I, I, I was at Pepsi and I was at FedEx and, and I worked my way up through the food chain there. And, um, I was perfectly content doing that. But when I was at FedEx and I was managing the New York Metro region, and this was in, in, the, in the late 90s. I got to see e-commerce starting to pick up. And this was really early days. But I just got to see this transition. And um, long story short, I was, I was on a flight back from Memphis. I was sitting next to this young lady. She saw my FedEx bag tag on my, my Dell laptop briefcase, right? And she was like, oh, you yeah. work, for, she work for FedEx. And I think I said something smart. Like, no, I'm just a fanboy. I mean, of course, no. <laughs> yes, I do. I, I don't just have a FedEx bag tag. Um, and, and, and I told her what I, she asked me what I did. I told her, and I asked her what she did. And she told me about this intriguing company that her and her brother had started. Uh, her name was Heidi Messer and her, and her brother, Stephen Messer started this company called LinkShare. And 
it was the first performance-based marketing company online. It's what we know to now today as performance-based marketing or affiliate marketing, um, which is very commonplace. But in, in 1999, that was that was right. brand new. It didn't exist. Yeah. And I was young enough that I thought I'd done enough, and I wanted to really see if I was any good. And um, and I had a young family, but we stepped out, and, and I and I and I took that role uh, as our chief revenue officer, and, and I got a bug for being an entrepreneur, and and was there at the early days of e-commerce and digital commerce, and we built a company, and we sold it to Rakuten, which was a great international. Wow giant company. And I got, that's when I got a chance to be a CEO for the first time. And, mm-hmm. and then just started my journey in digital media and, and how I ended up at eBay is I was over at, uh, I went to GSI, which is now, um, yes. uh, okay. fanatics. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I started GSI media. Michael Rubin wanted to start a media company to feed those commerce carts. So I started GSI media and started putting assets together around agencies and email marketing and, and attribution and really spent 20 years. We ultimately sold that to eBay and that became eBay Enterprise. And as the VP wow. of marketing solutions for eBay Enterprise, I, I ran all the digital assets. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, I spent 20 years helping companies sell their products online. And I spent the first part of my career helping companies distribute their products that they had sold through other channels. And when the where to go opportunity presented itself to me, it just, for me, it was a fascinating place to bring together my entire career, which was helping companies not only just sell their products online, but also completing that journey to their consumers. Because if you look at today's connected consumer, I like to use the words B to E. I think if you're in business today, you're business to everyone. I don't think I don't yeah, think yeah. customers say, hey, I'm a B2B customer or I'm a B2C right. customer. And, and certainly the way they shop is very similar with online reviews and comparison shopping and, 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 and all of the things that you do. Um, and, and when I, I looked at that world, I said, you know, that playing field is pretty level. I think companies can compete digitally. They have different budgets and they have different access. But when it came to supply chain to close that loop, enterprise still had this competitive advantage that – that small to mid-sized merchants just couldn't compete with. And right. if you think about yourself as a consumer today, you know you, you expect access to the world's inventory. You expect price transparency. You mm-hmm. expect to have it delivered to you in two days or less. And you don't want to pay for shipping. Well, yeah. if those are the table stakes, I looked at where to go and said, you know what, we can, and me personally, journey-wise, I can complete this journey and finally level this playing field and close the loop on this Um so for personally, it, it inspired me to, to bring technology to this space to level that playing field with enterprise tech, enterprise scale, and enterprise data to help these small to mid-sized merchants just close Amazing. that loop and compete and win. So that's that's my journey. I love that. Like I said before, I've always talked about how supply chain and marketing need to work better together. And your journey, you know, is really reflecting of, of that point and how much we need to collaborate. So let's talk about where to go. Let's sure. talk about exactly. So what exactly do you do? Let's break this down for the audience. Sure. Well, I think the easiest way to explain it is to use some models that company that most people are very familiar with. So think about us like you might think about Uber or you might think about Airbnb. But instead of connecting people who need rides with people who have cars or people who want to stay in places with people who want to rent out their homes, we just connect merchants who have products to sell and have distribution needs with a network of warehouses. So we have a network of 50 warehouses across the country that 
we've pre-vetted and certified and we've stitched them all together with one common technology platform. So okay. just like with Uber, you got one common technology platform within all those vehicles. We've put a common technology platform in 50 warehouses. And you might say, hey, Steve, why so many? Um, it's because, you know, from your background, you know, different warehouses have different capabilities, right? Some are cold yeah. chain, some are good at uh, LTL, some are good at e-commerce, some have temp control, big and bulky. So you need to have a variety of warehouses with different needs. And 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 we've aggregated all of that in, in, in a safe and secure way. Um, and we enable merchants to be able to work with these partners, these warehouse partners with us, with us in on a one common platform. There's no integration fees. And the great thing about it is that it's a pay-as-you-go model. So you know, you think about the seasonality. So maybe you need this much space for certain times a year, but you don't need as much in other times a year. Or as COVID showed us, right, you know, peaks and valleys, comers and goers, right? You might need to expand yeah. really quick or flip your line. Or you might need to contract, and it's it's a pay-as-you-go fractional ownership model. There's no long-term contracts, and the technology it's driven all by technology. So you get access to enterprise-grade technology with a footprint that allows you to have two days or less ground delivery to any of your customers across the planet. Interesting. So it's like a four PL model. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't okay. like to box it in like that, but yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, but a couple of questions that I have sure. then, because I'm hearing a lot about micro warehousing. Sure. Um, and so if you have 50 facilities, are you looking to expand that because of the micro fulfillment idea and making sure that your warehouses are closer to customer locations? Well, right now, right. I mean, we've got with our warehouse footprint, I mean, we can deliver and, and the other reality of that is, look, most merchants, they're not going to put their inventory in 50 warehouses, right? Most right. merchants don't carry enough. You're going to, you know, you're, you're, you maybe you're going to go in three warehouses, right? Mm -hmm. And, but in a three warehouse footprint. So for example, if, if your customer base is pretty spread out across the country, you could put someone in Northeast Pennsylvania, Kansas City or Dallas, and then, you know, somewhere in like maybe Reno or Salt Lake or Southern California. And, right. and you're going to, you're going to get, you know, two day ground delivery to 98.6% of the population. Right. So, sure. so, so, so we cover it that way to enable our clients. Cause that's part of our guarantee. You get two day ground delivery anywhere in the country. And, really? and that's how we build our, yeah, that's how we build our rate card. Um, okay. Cause it's all simple. You just pay one rate and, and that's it. It's, you don't have to worry about zones. It's, but, um, but as you, but micro fulfillment is very interesting because as you think about like what's really pivoted in the last year and you look at a lot of retailers that are doing ship from store right leveraging yeah. that asset that that liability and that asset right which is yeah. a, a a store footprint and and doing ship from stores so technologically enabling companies to do that or taking advantage of like dark store or micro fulfillment areas outside of major metropolitan areas. Um, mm -hmm. That's certainly some stuff that we enable and empower, empower as well for people who might be wanting to look at a same day delivery. Awesome. Awesome. So take yeah. me through that process. So I'm mm -hmm. somebody that wants to work with where to go. What does that yeah. process look like? Well, the good news is it's pretty straightforward, right? So you sign, you don't sign a long-term contract, right? You pay as you go. Um, you're probably on a Shopify card or a big commerce card or maybe a Magento cart. So we integrate into your e-commerce cart. So that's done seamlessly. Those integrations are already pre-built. So the integration's quick and, 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 and then you don't pay an integration fee. So we integrate to your commerce cart or your ERP. 
your orders come into our system. Our system then routes your orders to the warehouse that, and there's really two gating factors there, right? Where your inventory is. So is the closest inventory to your customer proximity. Um, so it'll route it to the warehouse. And, and we route, and if the order is in by three o'clock and we have it in the warehouse by three o'clock, it ships same day. Hmm. So, and then, <clears throat> and then you don't, you deal with us. You don't deal with the warehouse, right? You, you right. We bill you. We settle up with the warehouse. So it's a pretty clean, simple, efficient way for you to gain access to that level of footprint. Awesome. And you've got a footprint of 50 warehouses. Do mm-hmm. they get do they get full? Like, how does that work? Because you're talking about seasonality, right? So I guess, I guess where we should go with this, this question is the flexibility that you talked about before, right? Because supply chains aren't necessarily known for their flexibility, although we're really trying to work that into our processes right now. Um, But at where to go, you really work with your customers in an agile way, right? You can provide the complete solutions or you can provide seasonal support. And customers don't need to pick up your entire solution to see the benefits of what you can bring. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? And how do you flex? Like warehouse space is very difficult to flex, right? Um, So how do you flex with those warehouses? And tell us about how your customers can benefit, whether they take the full solution or some of the solution. That's a great question. And that actually has become even more complicated uh, in COVID. Right, because certain warehouse space has become very desirable, and then you got a plethora of other type of warehouse space that that might not be as desirable right now because of the shift. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why you got to solve these problems with technology and not just brute force. So, but but from a flexibility standpoint, like many of our customers, Sarah, they still have their own warehouse that might be attached to their corporate headquarters or 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 where, where they're working and. They say, hey, I'm going to do, let's say they're based in California and they got a warehouse there. They, they may say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do the West Coast out of my own warehouse, but I want to flex the rest of the country into your footprint. And um, so we have a, an applica- a tool that we actually have available and it's free. Anyone can work with it in big commerce or Shopify ecosystem, or they can go right to the URL. It's called Network View. And actually, you just connect your sales history or your shipping history, and it'll do a, an analysis for you of your last year or two of sales. And say, hey, Sarah, here's your current situation, right? Like these are the your current cost, your current transit times, and these are key markets outside your two-day footprint. If you wanted to, you could augment it, and here's what good would look like. So we'll show you a scenario. And then here's what great would look like, and we show you another huh. scenario. Okay. And, and it's like a supply chain consulting service that you just get for free, and it's done in five minutes. Um, I highlight that because that's really where you start, right? You've got to work with your customers and understand – Okay. Do you need temp control? Do you need cold chain? Are you big and bulky? And analyze that. And then you put the footprint together for them. And then the other piece that you really got to spend a lot of time with is forecasting demand. Because part of getting that flex right is, is, is not just knowing what warehouses to be in, but what inventory needs to be in there and what that demand forecast looks like, which means you probably need to connect into Google Analytics and some of their spend and their promotional calendar to be able to get that right. It's also why, just to complete that, we need a larger footprint, right? So if, if we're like, for example, in the Kansas City area, five warehouses there, right? In Dallas, we have four warehouses there. And right. you know, we, we take commitments down in those warehouses for 
thousands of pallet locations. So, mm-hmm. and, and that's where, you know, you've got to have the math, right. To say, you know, some months I'm probably going to be upside down and, yeah. and pay for storage that I don't need. And I'll just eat that, but I'm going to need that storage or that. And then the other side of it is the labor pool. Like you want to have a long conversation, which we don't have time for today. <laughs> the, the, the labor pool is, is, mm-hmm. is probably the more difficult thing to manage than the capacity. Really? Okay. So tell me a little bit about that. And then I want to get into forecasting because I know there's a big issue around that. So what do you mean when you say that there is a labor shortage? There's just not enough people to work in the warehouses. And are you responsible for that or your warehouses responsible for that? So in our world, right, our warehouses are responsible for that. But ultimately, you know, with that one head to crown, one throat to choke model, right? <laughs> like the yeah. customers don't differentiate, right? So yeah. so we've got to we've got to be on our game there to help provide great forecast and 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 planning models. Um, but yeah, I mean, we saw that last year, right? You've got, you know, e-commerce growing, you know, at, at a clip that is is insane. Was it Amazon's going to make up 38% of all US e-commerce, right? It grew more last year than it grew in the previous decade. And we're not going backwards. But the other big shift is when you shift from B to B to B to C in terms of who you're shipping to, you're you're shipping smaller case quantities or smaller amounts. So larger volume, because you're not sending as pallets to like store locations, right? So Mm -hmm. as, as the warehouses really work to automate and put robotics and conveyance and automation in these warehouses, you're augmenting it now with labor. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, with, with the high demand, they're just, the labor pool is tough. And then you're fighting, you know, the government, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing, but when you're fighting a, a subsidy, right. Um, yeah. You know, what you're people making trade outs, like, Hey, I could stay home and make X or I could go to work and possibly get sick and make the same. It just, it compresses and makes that issue more challenging, which is why ultimately you've got to solve it with technology. You just can't rely on brute force to get that done. Absolutely. Okay. So um, currently right now, a lot of the shippers that I'm talking to are having trouble forecasting because of all of the supply chain disruptions on the logistics side. The other thing that we're talking about is potential switches or shifts from just in time to just in case. How is that affecting where to go right now? So we certainly see it with, you know, whether it's port congestion, right. Or, or Chinese new year. I mean, we, we certainly had many of our customers impacted by um, late arriving goods. Right. And then when they arrive, they're pre-sold. So you got a container that you got a container or a truck that hits the warehouse. So maybe the warehouse has been doing 40 a day for you, but all of a sudden a truck drops in there, you got 2000 orders and they're all pre-sold and they got to go out today. Right. Right. You might not be staffed for that. Right. So, 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 so that puts you on the, you got to be on the front foot, right. With ASNs and arriving inventory Mm -hmm. and full visibility as to when things are clearing customs or coming through the ports, because if you can give these, these warehouse locations enough notice, they can flex labor, right. Or they can bring in temps to, to get on the front foot. But if you just surprise them, Right with a with an LTL load or truckload showing up with no appointment, and all of a sudden you know you're 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 you're, you're stripping down a trailer there, and you got right. two thousand orders pre sold, and they need to go today. I mean that's about setting some expectations. So mm-hmm. communications are really critical, right? Advanced notification yeah. is really critical, and then ultimately 
having enough of a footprint so that you can flex, right? Yeah. So we, we had to do that a lot last year. Like I'm knock on wood. I'm really proud to say we never had to call a client last year and say, Hey, you're, we're not going to be shipping for the next two days. Cause this warehouse is shut down for COVID. Like we had right. enough, we had enough, um, um, robust, this, that's not a word, but we had, we had, we had, we, we, we had enough built into the network to be able to flex the same types of things that you would do with storms or ice conditions. It's like, Hey, yeah, exactly. Northeast is shut down. Let's flex all these orders down to Florida and, 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 and get them in route to your customers. Um, yeah. and, uh, and those are the types of things you have to do because this, this disruption in supply chain, where it causes a lot of challenges is when a bunch of these orders hit a warehouse at one time and they're pre-sold because they've been back ordered. So true. I have, I have been there and done that. So one other question on that, are you seeing that your customers are holding more inventory with you in that just in case scenario? Like, are you seeing, like, I know e-commerce levels, I mean, have Mm -hmm. gone crazy. Um, But as far as inventory and carrying that inventory more than we ever have before, are you, are you seeing that or is it shift? is Is it going that way? They're, they're working towards that, right? Because okay. they had, there was issues, but they're, they're still rebuilding. I think yeah. the bigger, the bigger challenge is, and I'm talking about that mid market customer, right? That, mm-hmm. that company that does between say 10 million and 150 million in gross merchandise sales. They're typically yeah. founder led, right? They've surrounded themselves with two or three executives that all wear five hats and they're really good at making products, selling products and marketing products, but where they're challenged is supply chain and data. Right. If you talk to the customers, that's their big challenge. And even if they could afford the Oracle systems to break the data down, the talent that you have to associate with that to break it down becomes even more insurmountable. So that's where we spend a lot of time in helping our customers with inventory levels, reorder points. And that's where the big issue is, is it's not just building up um, your inventory. It's like what skews? Because that's when you start to see like, okay, these skews are turning 12, 15 times a year. And then these SKUs are just sitting there rotting on pallets. And, 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 and that's the trade out that you always got to figure out. And that's where you got to, that's where we spend a lot of time working with our clients. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, We've obviously talked a little bit about what's been happening in the disruptions, Um, Mm -hmm. but we've also, we haven't really talked about how it has sped up the uptake of e-commerce, right? Customer buying habits are changing. Expectations are at an all-time high. So what are your thoughts on that? How how is all of that changing since your FedEx days, for example? And well, that was a long time ago. (laughs) Well, and is that speed of expectation ultimately a good thing? And is it going to last? Because we're having a lot of challenges with turnaround time right now. Yeah. Well, I don't think we're going to go backwards, right? I mean, mm-hmm. customer behavior, consumer behavior, it's, you know, you, once you get a taste of something, I don't think, I don't think, you know, I haven't seen people go, let's go backwards, right? Like I don't see people raising their hands saying, Hey, I prefer outdoor plumbing, right? Like, <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see it's us true. going backwards, right? So <laughs> So, and, and, and what you saw in the last year were some categories that really just because of need, like became, like people got comfortable, right. Ordering that online. You saw it with consumer products, right. With, with, with food deliveries and CPG. And, and we saw a huge uptick in that, the big and bulky market, right. Whether it was, it was, it was, it was, it was based in exercise equipment, right. Where, where, where people were like, used to go to the store and get it. And, 
But now they're very comfortable ordering a Peloton or a Hydro online and having it delivered right to their, you know, their porch. Um, Because you can't really set up in-house yet, right, with COVID restrictions. Um, Same thing with like grills and patio furniture. So that whole big and bulky white glove has exploded. Um, And then nutraceuticals and pharma have been, you know, wellness products have have been um, incredibly, you know, uptick. And I don't think people are going to go backwards, right? If that's the, I don't like to use words like the new norm. I think it's an overused word. We'll just call it, it's it's what it is. It is, it is what it is. (laughs) And so I don't think we're going to, we're not going to go backwards. And I, and I also think like it makes us all better. Like even when I think about Amazon with what they're doing with SFP and, and the requirements and how they're getting tighter and tighter. I mean, if you can solve for that, that actually makes your sales in other marketplaces even more robust, right? Because mm-hmm. the consumers sure. don't differentiate. It's not like I'm. I don't, it's not like I say I'm an Amazon consumer. Like I just shop. That's my expectation. So, yeah. if you can meet those demands of transparency and delivery speed and reliability and easy returns, right? And 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 transparency on pricing, and then you know, I'm in marketing days, a very personalized experience, right? Mm-hmm. That is catered for you individually. Um, yeah. Then, then you're going to position yourself to win. And I think it makes us all better. Just like I think, you know, the internet made us all better and, 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 and this is going to make us better and we're not going to go backwards, but it certainly has some challenges. And, um, and, but you see the companies stepping up to the plate and doing that. I mean, Saturday and Sunday now are expected. I mean, I was looking at some research just three days ago that, you know, 78% of small businesses indicate that they will be working on Saturday in the next 12 months and they expect to be able to ship on Saturday. So yeah. Crazy, crazy. Well, so you, you mentioned the verticals, right? You were talking about some of the verticals. So who's your ideal client? If I'm sitting in the audience and I'm thinking about picking up the phone and calling you, what do I need to look like? Well, I think, I think, First and foremost, right? It's 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 what is your inventory like? How much inventory are you carrying, and you, do you carry enough inventory to go into say a two DC model, right? Mm-hmm. Or are you a regional and you just do business in a region? But if you're looking for nationwide coverage, like are you carrying enough inventory to go into a two DC model? Is are are you someone that you know you're an expert in supply chain and data, or do you need help with that, right? And and then the other part of it is um, skew count, right? Like are you selling 10 a day, but you carry a thousand SKUs? That's because you, that's going to eat you up in storage costs. Right. <laughs> so, so you're, you, you know, you're looking for this balance. So, you know, our ideal customer typically ships anywhere between say 50 and call it 2000 shipments a day. You know, they may have their own warehouse in one part of the country and we augment it. And what they're concerned about is that they, they, they're, they're interested in two day or less delivery. Um, uh, for their to their customers, they want to be able to sell in multiple marketplaces and meet the requirements of multiple marketplaces. They might be growing into retail, so they're going to need some retail compliance, and yeah. and they want a variable cost model. Right? They want to turn their supply chain from a fixed cost model to a variable cost model, and 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 ultimately, everybody's trying to work it down to where you know your supply chain costs are about fifteen percent right? Of your total sales. So mm-hmm. the other key part of that is average order value. Like that's really hard to do if your average order value is like $20. Right. Because if you don't have something really, really light, it's going to be really, really hard to make those metrics work. So tell me about average 
average order. What'd you just say? Average order. Average order value. AOV. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, just in case somebody doesn't know what that is. Sure. Well, so what's your, what's what's your average unit? You know, your average cart that you're you're sh- selling online or selling through your distributors or your resellers or your channel partners, and and you know, typically. You know, if 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 you're below fifty dollars, you probably are hoping you got lightweight packages, right? Because right. because you know you're going to get chopped up as far as your transportation costs go. Um, and uh, so typically, you know, you see a lot of retailers or other you know have an average order value in that sixty-five to one hundred and twenty dollar range, unless you're talking big and bulky products. So so that's typically what you're looking for in an AOV. Okay. Awesome. So now we're at the one of my favorite parts of the interview because I want to talk about what it all looks like. So paint us a picture. Paint us a picture of how you have helped maybe one of your customers or two of your customers. What was the exact challenge that they came to you with? What was the solution that you provided? And what was the benefit that they saw from working with you? Wow, it's a sales pitch. All right, so so uh, so I'll tell you. So more of I'll a case you, study. No, no, I'll tell you. I'm gonna. I want to tell you a case study, right? I wanted to. I, I want to tell you about two, right? Because one is a very entrepreneurial story, and then the other one is very. Uh, it's a corporate story. So I want to tell you about this entrepreneurial story. So we had a company. Um, uh, it's called O2, and uh, and and it's O2 Recovery. They make um, they make water that has uh, nutrients and vitamins in there to help you recover from workout. And, you know, okay. great entrepreneurial story based out in California. His entrepreneurial journey is like many started, you know, didn't like the products that were in the market, decided to make one, started selling to CrossFit gyms. And his initial distribution was, I'll just deliver it, right? Like out of my yeah, garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, look, his, his business grew. And as his business grew, he realized he needed a supply chain, right? So they always start out with their own and they try to get in a, in a 3PL model or they do something. And it was just, it w- just wasn't keeping up, right? So, so they came to us. We started doing business with them actually in the beginning of, of uh, 2020. And, um, and they wanted a, a one to two day footprint anywhere in the country. And, um, and, you know, on-time order fulfillment was, was, uh, really important to them. So that's good. We did that. We set him up in a three DC model. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and his business completely changed. We were shipping to gyms. Hmm. Gyms are closed. So right. he had to pivot his business immediately from, cause you're not in business if you're selling to gyms in, in hmm. April and May and June, right. um, or last year. So he enlisted his gym partners as resellers for him and started getting their email addresses and marketing them and set his gym partners up as resellers. But his whole supply chain had to shift from shipping pallets of these drinks to gyms to now shipping six packs yeah. to pe- people it's, like you and me. And, yeah. and, and that supply chain had to flip. Like he had to stand up a Shopify cart. He had mm-hmm. to set up that type of supply chain. And we made that pivot for him in less than three days. So wow. not only, right, not only did we completely shift the supply chain so that he could not just stay in business, but thrive in business. And, um, and now, you know, they're getting 99% one to two day delivery anywhere in the country, mostly going to consumers. Gyms are picking back up. So we're now yeah. back to doing, you know, LTL or, or pallets to gyms. And, and um, he's actually seen, you know, 98% on-time fulfillment, which is great, including delivery time. And, and he's had 10x order growth. So Amazing. just a great case study there. But what I'm proud of is we had to pivot his supply chain for him. And then yeah. 
The other story I'll tell you, which is a very similar story, but just different different um, setup, was Vitamin World, right? It's a it's a, it's a retailer, you know, stores across the country, and their whole supply chain was, you know, LTL loads going into these stores, and stores shut down, and they went to a D to C model, and right. you know, instead of instead of us doing, you know, pallets and cases that weigh thirty pounds. Now we've got to pivot into pick to light systems and warehouses shipping you like two things of vitamins, right? And average yeah. weight dropping down to two pounds and the volume exploding as far as number of units versus cases, but the labor, we just, we had to make that pivot. So we had a great warehouse partner um, for us in Salt Lake and in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we were able to make that move. And then at the same time, put temp control in mm. so that we could do that. Wow. So fast pivots for both of those customers last year that I'm really proud of that we helped them grow and thrive in a challenging environment. But we also tested ourselves by pivoting Mm -hmm. the type of supply chain they needed. Um, And again, we had the footprint to do it and we had the technology to do it. And what I'm really proud of is, is we just had the tenacity as an organization to push that through. Yeah. And you were able to help them pivot at a critical moment of their company and their success. Yeah. Right. Because they had to pivot really quickly, which meant everybody had to pivot along with them. And right. it sounds like you were a great partner for them. And kudos for, to you for doing that, because I'm sure those are just two examples out of many <laughs> that right. you've been able to support over the last year. So I appreciate you sharing those with us. So mm-hmm. we've already discussed that you're changing warehousing fulfillment and supply chain landscape and doing things that you know previously weren't possible. So where do you go from here? What are the trends and innovations that we should be looking out for over the next few years? And how do you think the industry is going to continue to evolve? Yeah. So I think it's a great question. And if, listen, if I could, if I could, if I could tell the future, I think I'd just go bet a bunch of horse races today, call it right? a day, right? Right. I'd go bet 3000 horse races later on today, win them all and be done. Um, crystal ball, crystal ball. Right. If I, if I had that, so I'm not good at predicting the future, but there are trends that you see that, that I think are easy that you, that you can, you can anchor on. I think a couple of them are, are, um, in in is in the urban areas, right? Um, really taking advantage of micro warehouses and dark stores, like and on the outsides of these urban areas, so that you can start to offer same day delivery. Um, whether you're aggregating retailers or you're aggregating ship from store and and other smaller merchants who don't have a footprint, so that they can bring them together, take enough space to be able to do that. I think that's going to be really critical. Um, uh, to get that done in in in, in urban areas uh, uh, to start, um, I think you know the, the the we just announced not not to be self serving, um, but you know we just announced a partnership where you know being a carbon neutral footprint. I think that is really awesome. critical, um, yeah. and and we just we just we built it into the packaging cost, right? We 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 had a defensibility study done by a third party firm. We did a great partner with Parchama, and you know to be able to say okay. For every shipment in our network, we're going to offset that carbon footprint, um, and and the merchants are more than happy to help pay for that because it's good for they people want to do good. I think that's really critical um, yeah. to be able to do that. So so that's a, that's a that's a big step that we took, but I think it's a big step that that everyone's going to need to take. And then and then and then just rising consumer concern. I mean consumer expectations. I mean Amazon sets the bar there. 
Um, yep. And they set the bar because they're maniacally focused on it. And they're also 38% of all US e-commerce, right? So, nice. so that is the, that, that's the expectation. And, and I think being able to, 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 to deliver those expectations, not just on Amazon, but for all of your con- customers, re- regardless of where they originated from, they have those mm-hmm. same expectations to meet those demands is going to enable these merchants to compete and win in yeah. this landscape. And I think that's really critical um, to enable that because, you know, if you think about it, you know, Sarah, listen, if you and I had a ketchup company and we were trying to start it 20 years ago, we'd have to go to these grocery stores and, and give them guaranteed sell through and hope we get like right. a foot of shelf space and pay an outrageous amount of money for that. Well, today, right. We can, build that. We can launch it on an Instagram campaign. We can curate an audience and we can be in business. So it's easier. I'm not saying it's easy, but you have more options now to bring a product to market. But if you miss it on the supply chain side, and this is what I think people learned in COVID, mm-hmm. 58% of all consumers said they shopped from a new merchant that they'd never done business with before during, during wow. um, last summer. That means merchants got an opportunity 58% of the time to do business with someone new. Mm-hmm. And if, if you can execute perfectly on the sell side, but if you don't execute on the supply chain side, you've just turned that, that one-time experience into a bad review yeah. and, and a return. And, and that's going to continue to grow. And the SMB are the folks that are going to benefit it from the most because they're seeing the most uptick. If you look at the growth in e-commerce last year, clearly you had the large retailers, but the big winners were the SMB. Yeah, And to be able to execute on the supply chain side and then also on mobile, they need to spend more yeah. time on mobile, on the That's marketing true. side. Um, yeah. Those are the key trends that I pay attention to and we're trying to help folks out with. I love that. Going back to your ketchup example. So we yeah. do have a shortage of ketchup packets I know um, in North America. <laughs> so we would be doing a lot of business right now if we had that ketchup business. Just saying. We would. Um, we would. So finally, finally, I want to know, what does the future hold for where to go? What can we expect to see from you? Well, you know what? We're going we're, we're, we're gonna to continue to focus on driving an incredible experience for our customers our clients and their customers, right? Um, that's critical because I think you know too many times companies focus on outcomes and exits and things like that, and you know uh, that you focus on delivering a great experience for your your clients and their their customers, and and mm-hmm. and you'll do it. So we're going to continue to stay maniacally focused on that. We're going to continue to deliver data products to help our merchants compete and win, not just on the supply chain delivery side, but also on the data side. So you can expect to see more products from us to help our merchants with demand forecasting and inventory planning. Um, And then ultimately, um, you know, you should expect to see from us um, uh, finding a way to drop down and help even smaller merchants, right? Like, Mm. Like I think about these Instagram sellers and these Facebook marketplace sellers and- And, and they're curating great products, but thinking about and bringing something to market to enable someone who does 10 a day to compete and win, not yeah. just people who do 50 or more. And that's going to take some work, but, but we're working on some good quality things there. Because ultimately, Sarah, we just want to level the playing field so yeah. that merchants of all sizes can compete and win in the world of commerce. 
I love that. And I love that you're focusing on SMBs because that has been a challenge for a very long time in the industry. So I cannot wait to see what you guys come up with. And, you know, as I mentioned, I grew up in 3PLs. You know, I know the world well. It's where I started. It's where I learned the ropes. And it's really exciting for me to see, you know, just in the course of my career so far, how much has changed and the innovations coming into what has typically been quite a traditional part of the supply chain. So I'm super excited to see what brands like where to go are doing in the industry. And I can't wait to find out what comes next. Um, something tells me it's going to be pretty awesome. So a big thank you to Steve and the team for making this happen. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for your time. I enjoyed talking to you and, and your audience and, um, and, uh, it was great. So thank you so much. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you'd like to hear more, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And if you are looking for a solution for your supply chain challenge, go to the category filter on the podcast page and you will find episodes from other innovations in those categories that you are looking for. And remember to come back next week. We've got episode nine of Blended, where we're going to be doing a deep dive into the huge topic of handling diversity in business. We'll be getting into the right ways, the wrong ways, ideas for tangible action steps. And as always, our amazing group of panelists will be sharing their experiences and words of wisdom. You're not going to want to miss that. Plus, we've got a brand new episode with Christy from Initial logistics. And we're talking about intermodal, her journey to success, what that has looked like in taking over the family business, and what exactly they do and how they can help you. If you enjoy our podcast, there's a few ways to support the show. You can follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Clubhouse, TikTok. We are all over the place. Plus, you can subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next, visit ships.com and sign up because we're in full beta. If you are a shipper that wants to streamline everything that you're doing for your ocean and air freight shipments with the freight providers that you are working with, please reach out to us and let us know. We would love to help you with that. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, go and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Plus, we would love to feature you on an upcoming episode. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.